Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 209 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, chilly days bring congested colonies and congested colonies can lead to yet more swarming. Fingers crossed we're almost out of the colder weather. But until then, stay tuned for more beekeeping updates. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Although this is episode 209, I realise some of you may be listening in for the very first time. So, welcome to you. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. And remember, your homework for the week ahead is to listen to the back catalogue of my previous podcasts. Late night, falling asleep motivation probably, but I hope you may pick up a top tip or technique along the way. So do keep listening. For all my regular listeners, well, it's the regular weather report first, and boy, have we had some chilly mornings. I mostly worried about my peach tree in the polytunnel at the allotment, but that probably doesn't concern you beekeepers as much as the effect this weather is having on our honeybee colonies. Well, there's good news and bad, as always, in beekeeping. Just to recap, I think we've had maybe three or four days where it's been cold enough for a slight ground frost, but more importantly, it's been dry and cool all week. There were a couple of days that warmed up to the mid-teens Celsius during the early part of the afternoon, but otherwise it's been down to 10 Celsius or even lower at times. So what effect does this have on our colonies? Well, firstly, that large brood nest area is going to need to be kept warm. All that young larvae needs protecting from those cooler temperatures. If not, it will die and you'll end up spotting chilled brood. Larvae that has died in the cells for no obvious reason. Alternatively, the bees may have cleaned out the dead larvae before you get in there, especially if you haven't inspected this week, and all you will see is a patch of empty cells, or cells with eggs in them, if the queen has been round and relayed. Another impact of the cooler weather conditions is a congested hive. Immediately, you'll be thinking of swarming, and you're not wrong there. On colder days, there won't be as much forage for our bees. Plants will slow down their production of nectar, and as a result, there will be little, if any, honey production. Bees will start to eat the stores that they've already put away, and the result could be supers that were filling up nicely, suddenly appearing empty once more. It is the reason they put it there, so we shouldn't be too surprised, really. One way the pressure can be relieved on our swarmy colonies is adding a little more space, which hopefully you've done, probably in the form of a super or two or even three. I've actually been adding a few brood boxes to colonies that have grown very large, making them into, currently, double brood colonies. 
The plan is to get them into the second brood box and then split into two separate hives and get a new queen into the queenless part. More on the whole queen raising issue shortly. I'm having a bit of a moment right now. Let me explain. As you all know, it's a monumental year for me and the Norfolk Honey Company. That's basically me and Steph. With the expansion plans in place, I really need to make the season work for us in terms of honey production. It's the honey that makes the money after all. That honey will provide the bulk of the business's turnover and hopefully allow me to have Steph join the company full time. So honey production is key. It's the most important part of the entire season for me. We'll also be producing nukes to overwinter for next year and of course the videos and podcasts will form an integral part of the plan but it's the honey production that will ultimately provide the income to allow me to grow the business. Just mentioning the nukes has reminded me that last weekend we had our main collection day for beekeepers collecting their nukes from us. It's always nice to see new beekeepers and chat, however briefly, about their plans for their own beekeeping. I remember the excitement I felt all those years ago and to be honest I still feel excited when I head out to my apiaries to inspect the bees. Anyway, I digress. Back to Queen's. What to do about stocking my increase in numbers? Well, I made a decision yesterday, which I'll come to in a moment. The original plan was to breed from our own stock and head back to near-native or locally adapted bees, and I will still continue with that plan via our own queen-rearing processes this year. But, and it is a big but, I'm not sure I can get all of my honey production colonies set up with local bees that are as docile and productive as some of the queens that I bought in last year. Now this is going to get a little complicated, so please bear with me. Recently, a few of the so-called buckfast queens have exploded with bees, and we're finding they're really filling up boxes with honey. Obviously, my comments about the recent weather issues may have reduced the amount of honey being stored, but some have now got the equivalent of four Langstroth supers on them, and they're far from done with the oilseed rape, which continues to flower. So that's a major tick in the box of honey production. Now, not all of them are at that level, but what the others have is an average amount of honey on board. Maybe two or three supers, but they're incredibly calm, especially when compared to my own bees over at the fishing lakes. I could almost go shorts and t-shirt with these calm bees. They're that calm. I obviously won't be doing that, certainly not at this point, but... I almost have to double glove when I go to the fishing lakes bees, and that's just not nice. Last week, not a single sting from any colonies, something around 80 or 90 colonies. Then, I arrive at the fishing lakes and get stung at almost every other hive. Not accidental, you understand. Bees getting under my cuffs or down my boots. The fact is, karma bees can be inspected in half the time of these grumpy colonies, And that's also important to me. The major negative issue is there's a consideration of the cost. Buying in queens isn't cheap if you're thinking of buying in 40 or 50 at a time. But the balance here is that they're calm and may well provide a bumper crop of honey, which will repay that initial cost many times over. 
One final thought on the whole buying in of Queen's conversation I've been having with myself is losses. Last year, I probably lost five or six Queen's during the process of introduction. It's honestly not a particular skill of mine, I have to say. I guess I'm more hopeful than expectant that the Queen will survive meeting her new colony. I've tried several different techniques and continue to search for one that gives me consistent results. On top of that, this winter, I think we lost maybe, well, almost up to a dozen as drone-laying queens, all from the batch of queens purchased late last summer. So the actual cost of queens we now have in our hives is considerably more than the initial payment. So where am I at? Well, the queen rearing will continue, but I have just ordered another batch of queens from another couple of producers here in the UK, fellow commercial bee farmers that I know and trust. Honey production is the single biggest driving factor for me at the moment. It's lovely to have so much summer pollination work to cover, but without strong colonies to produce honey, I'm never going to have a big enough crop to finally move the business forward. And that's why I've chosen to park the drive for total independence in queen rearing, at least for this year. Once we get the queens installed and working, I'll update you on their performance and hopefully the summer crop will speak for itself. While I'm talking about queens, you'll all be familiar with the fact that I clip my queens. Well, I think I'm pretty much done for this season. There's bound to be a few that have so far escaped, but they're very much in the minority now. And the reason for clipping was brought home to me just this week. I recently posted a video showing a colony that had swarmed and where I'd made a split using queen cells in each box. Well, I went back to that apiary to shoot a video showing how to move a nuke into a full-size hive. And as I was approaching the nuke, I noticed a few bees flying back to the hive next to it. But rather than going into the entrance of the hive, they were going beneath the hive. A quick look confirmed my immediate suspicions. There was a swarm clinging to the bottom of the floor. Again, the immediate recommendation to any of you out there that experience something similar is don't panic. What has in fact happened is the colony has swarmed, but because the queen has had her wing clipped, she can't fly away with the swarm and as a consequence has crawled back to the hive up the leg of the stand and under the floor. The swarming bees have simply followed her back there. It's one of the simplest swarms you'll ever collect. I'd made the whole situation a little more complicated than it could have been in that I originally found that the colony had swarmed so decided to make use of the two queen cells I found and divided the colony into two, split them as it were. It just meant that I had extra boxes to deal with. The process is very straightforward. It's like any other swarm collection. We just need to get the queen into a box and the bees will follow. If you've not seen the video yet, head over to my Patreon page and take a closer look at how I dealt with them, gently and calmly, and if you can do that, then you're pretty much always going to be successful. Remember, this is beekeeping, so nothing is guaranteed, but if you treat them with respect and handle them gently, I'm sure if you find yourself in the same position, it will work out just fine. The swarm fell nicely into a nuke box. I reassembled the hive, popped the lid on the nuke, and the bees were immediately fanning at the entrance, indicating the queen was inside. 
A brilliant recovery, even though I say so myself. Not a lost swarm, but an increase in numbers. Fantastic. We keep moving forward. I mentioned I had split the colony into two boxes, each with a queen cell. Sometimes you have to think on your feet, and when I discovered they had swarmed, I used two really nice-looking queen cells to split the colony. Now, you might not be looking to increase your numbers, but here's a situation that allows you to do two things. Firstly, you may well be looking to increase, so the discovery of two queen cells on different frames immediately allows you to split and set up two smaller colonies, each with a queen. If you don't want to increase, well, I would suggest you do the same thing, at least to start with. Develop two new queens. With any luck, they'll both emerge, mate, and start laying successfully in their own right. But if one should fail to mate, or get lost on her way back, or be damaged in some way, well, you've now got a second queen to select as a backup. Once you know how things stand, you could sell one of the queens, if they're both well mated. If you only have one queen, well, the choice is made for you. And if you can't find someone else to take the second queen, if you have a second queen, there's always the culling option. Harsh, but part of beekeeping, I'm sorry to say. Once you're left with the queen of your choosing, all you need to do is unite them using the old newspaper method, and the split colony is back into one strong colony that will surely deliver a crop of honey this summer. Well, maybe. Finally today, an update on the oilseed rape in my local area. I've been seeing a lot of reports about it being done for another year, and boy, hasn't that spring period suddenly disappeared quickly. Anyway, several posts on social media were saying that the oilseed rape has finished and seed pods are taking the place of flowers. And some of those reports were from fellow beekeepers here in Norfolk and neighbouring Suffolk. Well, but it's not the case for me, I'm glad to say. Yes, some of the crops are showing signs of seed pods, but the vast majority have at least one more week to go, if not two. And this, for me, is the peak time for our oilseed rape honey production. What I find is, if the weather plays its part, we could do with a little bit of rain, ideally, but some warm sunshine and plenty of empty boxes on the hives, the nectar will flood in and will fill those boxes in a week to ten days. The forecast is set for warmer weather next week too, so all I need is a little rain now. If the plants get that soaking, the nectar will flow and this beekeeper will be very happy. So on that note, I should probably close for this week. Stay positive, have a fun beekeeping week, and I'll catch up with you all again next time. Oh, and remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.